Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and the mission's boyfriend, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar, Noelle LaCroix. Please take me to where they can make me unconscious and naked. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about Out of My Mind, the fourth episode of season five. Out of My Mind aired on October 17th, 2000, and was written by Rebecca Kirshner and directed by David Grossman. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast because discussion, analysis, and critique are just more fun when we can come right out and tell you who hooks up, who dies, and who starts abusing their ever-increasing magical powers. Listen, Buster, I don't see a crossbow in your hands, okay? All right, let's go on patrol. In Out of My Mind, Buffy's out patrolling when both Riley and Spike crash the party and both equally annoy Buffy. Xander, Tara, and Anya are helping Giles put the magic shop together. And when Buffy and Willow show up, Giles takes her into the back to her training area, which is great if you ignore Riley. What's the matter, afraid of a little competition? Harmony shows up at Spike's lair looking for a place to hide from the Slayer who is hunting her. (laughs) Spike allows her to stay if she has sex with him, and she agrees. He tells her that she's going to have to kill Buffy or Buffy will kill her. I tried. It was all hard and stuff. At the Summer's house, Joyce is making breakfast when she has a spell. She asks who Dawn is and then collapses on the floor. Buffy and Riley rush to the hospital and talk to Ben, the intern who's been hanging out with Dawn while Joyce is being tested. As he reports the results to Buffy and Riley, Dawn uses Ben's stethoscope to listen to everyone's hearts. Buffy and Ben's are normal, but Riley's is racing. They see a doctor who tells Riley that it's serious, but he insists on leaving the hospital, telling Buffy that his body just works differently. But you're still a human, Riley. You could still have a heart attack. I'm a human who was used as a lab rat for months. At home, Joyce is apparently fine, but she's more concerned about Riley, and so is Buffy. Buffy figures it has something to do with the initiative, but she doesn't know how to get in touch with them until Dawn gives her an idea. If they're spying, just say something you know they'll hear. Buffy goes to Riley's apartment and picks up the phone, telling the dial tone that Riley is in trouble. At Riley's pickup basketball game, Graham shows up with a couple of initiative goons and tells Riley he needs to have an operation. Riley refuses, fighting off Graham and his initiative goons before running away. So Graham turns to Buffy. There's a specialist wedding at Sunnydale General, fourth floor neurology. Get Riley there. If you don't... I'll get him there. At the magic shop, everyone gathers with Buffy to try to figure out where Riley has run off to. Xander and Anya go off to look for Riley, and Buffy thinks that he might have gone to the Initiative Caves, but the only person who knows the caves is Spike, and Buffy's in no mood for his nonsense at the moment, but she breaks into his lair and holds up a handful of cash under his nose. Say, look at those pretty pieces of paper. At the hospital, Spike and Harmony kidnap the Initiative doctor at Crossbow Point, take him to a university medical school, and demand that he take out Spike's chip, which seems like a predictable outcome. The doctor warns that it might not work, but Spike isn't worried. Removing it could leave you a vegetable. That's not going to happen, mate. See, I have faith in your survival instinct. Buffy finds Riley in the initiative caves, and he whines that she's stronger than him, and if he gets the surgery, he won't be powerful enough for her. Which is full-on stupid, and Buffy tells him so, then forces him to go to the doctor, where they find Graham and his buddies knocked out. 
He tells them that Spike and Harmony took the doctor, and Buffy sees the hole in her logic when she told Spike there was an initiative doctor in town. He's going to force the doctor to move the chip from his brain. They split up to look for Spike and the doctor. Meanwhile, at the university operating room, the doctor says the chip is out. He stitches Spike back up, and Buffy and Riley bust in. But when Spike tries to bite Buffy, his chip activates. The doctor pulled a fast one. Riley collapses in the middle of the fight, and Spike and Harmony run out while the doctor tends to Riley. Buffy leaves Riley to go check up on her mother, and Graham walks Riley out of the university, giving him something to think about. You used to have a mission, and now you're what? Mission's boyfriend? Mission's true love? At Spike's lair, Buffy busts in, ready to finally stake Spike. He tells her to just do it, bearing his chest to her. She raises the stake, about to do it, but hesitates. He grabs her and kisses her, and then they make out passionately. He tells her he loves her, and then wakes up from the dream in a cold sweat. Oh, God. Please, no. Can vampires sweat? <laughs> I, I, I imagine if they did, it would be cold, though, right? <laughs> Aren't we unholy by definition? <laughs> Aren't we unholy oh by God. definition? All right. So, Noelle, here we are. Out of my mind. Season five, oh episode God. four. And <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about this episode? Previously on Buffy the Vampire's Lair, Riley is having some sort of like identity crisis about the initiative. And then yeah. he's having an identity crisis about the initiative again. Mm-hmm. And we didn't hit that. We didn't do that story the way we wanted to before, so we're going to do it one more time, I guess. But, oh, my God, I'm so tired of this relationship and the weird way it's treading water. They need to, like, Buffy and Riley. mm. (laughs) 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 Excuse me while I just, like, pull the flames off the sides of my face. Like I know. I'm, they need to break up, like, so hard. Yeah. Um, Or... Or they need to have an actual conversation sometime when they're not all emotionally heightened and flooded and shit is crazy and going right. down and weird. Like, where? Whatever. But apparently their whole thing is that they don't talk. So then. They don't. Like, they don't. I, wh- and then we go through this whole thing where she's all mad at him and she's like, well, you don't trust me. You know, and I'm like, well, of course he doesn't trust you. We've already hit this. You yeah, guys dude, you're not trustworthy. What do you talk- want? Like- and she does that whole thing where, like, I've opened up to you more than anyone else. You know, I've never told anybody else. Nobody else has ever seen. I'm like, oh, please. Like, really? I'm but like, also, no. also, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. I just don't. She and Angel used to talk all the time. They were always on the same page. She never wants to talk to Riley because I think that if she did, she'd realize that there is nothing there but arms holding them together. <laughs> it's well, really and, about the arms. And he still has the arms. So And the arms, like, mm-hmm. the arms were looking a little deflated this episode, I have to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> we wow, even Mark got- Lucas is good. He can we act a... so well that he can make his arms smaller. Well, I mean, he we even got a basketball montage. And yeah. I'm like, at some point, like, he just starts looking like a college guy in a tank top. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> like, this is just... I guess when he's next to, when he's next to Buffy, because oh Sarah God. Michelle Geller is such a tiny little thing, 
you know, I mean, he looks monstrous, you know, she's fun sized and he's the incredible Hulk. But yeah, it's next uh, to other guys, his, you know, his general age and size. It's like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, (laughs) like he looks kind of average college athlete and uh, that's fine. And, you know, whatever is fine. I just I don't know. I Yeah. Like, okay, so in the in the graveyard at the beginning, He's like, yes. Buffy, what are you doing here? And she's like, my job? And uh, I'm going, Riley, where have you been for literally the past, I don't know how many episodes? Like, have you not been paying attention? What? Oh, whoa. What? I mean, he he deliberately was holding that vampire waiting for her to pass so he could stake it right in front of her. I mean, it's so the whole ridiculous. what are you doing here thing was like a smokescreen, though, right? <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. What's a slayer like you doing in a graveyard like this like just sitting there for an hour just punching the vampire in the face repeatedly until he can show up and see him slay yeah oh my god um, i mean it's very very sad and like while i really like the idea of the riley Mm -hmm. identity plot where he's you know like He's the initiative and he has a mission and he's superpower and he has his yeah. weird science mom giving him vitamin <laughs> pills. Like it's <laughs> it I like the idea of it, but they yeah. have to hit it so many times from so many different angles because I guess the best plots are the ones you have to explain over and over again. I don't uh, know. Yeah. It doesn't it's like it didn't quite work or didn't quite land the first few times. So we have to do this thing again. And yeah. uh, I don't know. Well, the initiative and this- was never a strong story to begin with. So to pull it into this season, I mean, I guess we're always going to have a little bit of the initiative kind of hovering over the storyline because of Spike and his chip, you know, so there's always right. going to be a little bit of that. Um, and Riley's, uh, you know, I, I, I always love an identity story. You know how I feel about those. Like, it's always totally. I, I really like it, but it does feel like a car that won't quite start because we keep hitting that same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, I, I mean, I like a lot of the things that they're doing, like in concept. I like the idea of Riley um, having these, you know, this heightened strength, you know, it's not Slayer strength, but it's heightened, you know, for human, Yeah, uh, that there's a cost for that, um, that, uh, but I don't, I think what I don't like is that it's one thing if he's like, you know, what is my role here? You know, yeah. like, how am I helping you? If I'm if I don't have power, like what am I what am I doing here? Like if I'm just yeah. I'm just going to end up being like kind of almost similar to the way that that Angel did in the Angel episode. Uh, I will remember you right when he's talking about being just human and then he right. can't help in the fight, you know, but that has right. to do so much with Angel's sense of purpose and Angel's sense of purpose is a very strong theme throughout the entire run of Angel. So that like makes sense there, you know, not just this um you know, this toxically masculine, how will I protect you, you little tiny woman thing, you know, that it's, it's more of a, um, you know, but this, this stupid thing of, if I don't have power, you're not going to want me because you only like super powered dudes, and your last boyfriend was a vampire. And I'm like, that's if that's how you feel that this woman feels about you, then you don't need to be in this relationship because this relationship makes you feel inferior. I mean, I think it's Riley that makes Riley feel inferior. But still, oh, you know it's what I mean? absolutely Riley yeah. making Riley feel inferior. And mm-hmm. I think that Riley like, honestly, 
I let I really like the idea of all of this stuff with Riley's heart, yeah. mm-hmm. especially yeah. like the physical heart and then the emotional heart, because mm-hmm. he is like he is very much his body in that yeah. his body and his training are what make him powerful and what make him a soldier in all these ways. And you know how I love you know how I love like the body as representative of yes. the person and mm-hmm. all of these things. But I and I hate to say this, but like Riley is not a good enough character to pull right. off that whole like physical, emotional heart split. Like there's just not there are so many characters on this show. Yeah. Um, which is something I love about it. Mm-hmm. But we just we don't have enough time for Riley and his stuff because we have literally what six other people at least that we care about who have been here who we you know well that also just have better stories like i mean you know harmony here we've got harmony we very rarely see harmony but when we do we are all in like at least (gasps) least you and i are i think most people are like harmony is one of these like really engaging characters and the problem with riley is I, 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 there's so many problems with Riley. <laughs> but the problem with Riley is that he is the good-looking, quote-unquote, normal Iowa boy who turns out to be super-powered, but then can't right. handle his superpowers. And he's just like, he's a weak character in a bad relationship. Um, because the relationship with Buffy, and this is not all Riley's fault. I mean, Buffy never wants to talk to him. So we see these two in this darkness you know like they have gone dark as far as all communication goes they are radio silent with each other she never wants to talk to him and so his his realization you know last week was xander but she doesn't love me like that's a valid realization and if he had come to her it just it 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 ends up coming out in this very self-pitying, I have to be super-powered, not because it's not enough for me, but because it's not enough for you. And loving right. you is the scariest thing I've ever done. And it's all this stuff where he's always blaming her for how he feels, you know? Yeah. Um, and then she's always like, well, if you don't trust me, well, of course he doesn't trust you. Yeah. You don't talk to him. You don't open up to him. You just gaslit him with the you know me better than anybody. I've opened up to you in ways I've never opened up to anybody else. That is clearly untrue. Um, so all of this, them together, they're just that it's a bad relationship, them together. And Riley is a poorly expressed character, I think. Which is such a bummer because I like like. You, I mean, you know me and Riley. Like, I want to yeah. like Riley. I really like the idea of Riley. I mm-hmm. really like the, I really like the idea of the Slayer's boyfriend also going through his own version of, I have superpowers and a mission, but also not really. And what about mm-hmm. what I actually want and all of these things. Right. But Riley doesn't have the, the, awareness or reflection for that and then graham at the end says you used to have a mission and now you're what the mission's boyfriend the Mm -hmm. mission's true love and of course that hits really hard because we know how riley we know that riley knows that buffy Mm -hmm. doesn't feel that way about him right um but graham knows riley better than riley does and yeah. Well, Graham is Graham is very sweet. 
Graham is a Graham is a lot of like um, perception underneath a doofus exterior because he has this look like he's just a dumb pretty boy, but I don't think that he is. I mean, he's oh, very he's pretty. absolutely not. He's his definitely whole, very pretty, but his whole more to bit him. about don't like don't apologize now, like after yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you survive. Yeah, you know, but I, I also like that, that he said Graham. they've been there for weeks talking to Riley about this, and Riley's uh, been just ignoring them. Oh my god, Riley! I'm like, but oh, you buddy. could. I mean, <laughs> like, this is the initiative. Let's not pretend that we have like you know a procedures and an ethics you know like right. mode, mode to go by. Like they they could have shot him with a tranquilizer, a horse tranquilizer, and gotten him in weeks ago if they oh wanted to. Oh my god! To. <laughs> you know, I mean, they could have. Um, there's the there's the deleted scene that I watch. Just. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. he just drops. <laughs> just forget they have the tranquilizers that took down Oz when he was a werewolf. I'm sorry, but Riley, even with his extra powers, is not more powerful than magical, mystical werewolfy Oz. So, yeah. like the idea that they don't have the power to take him in under his, you know, without his consent, and also that they would like be oh, like, and well, that they're suddenly so concerned about whether or not he'll suddenly. come willingly. Like that's really exactly. initiative of you guys. Like I mean, okay, granted the initiative did have a whole big maybe maybe they've changed their ways you know because of because of whatever you know internal governmental scrutiny might have come upon <laughs> their their whole business from last season so I mean maybe there's some of that but um but the whole thing is just it's it's crazy that Graham and the three lines that he has between season four and season five is still more insightful more connected right? seeing more you know than than Riley does and and, and that's also like a handy thing that's because the writers know this and so they're having sure. Graham stand in for you know them and what they know but it's still like he's still a much more much more consistent and much more um you know insightful character whereas Riley is standing there like a big doofus and the thing is like I don't mind the Riley story what I what I mind is the way that it's Buffy's fault that she doesn't love him enough and that he loves her so much and that it's so scary loving her um and it it feels really whiny to me that that he it's not it's not that he's like Okay, so if I can't do this, what can I do to support you? You know, mm -hmm. what can I do to be? And and here we have this, this, you know, episode, right, where Buffy is brought into the training room that Giles has made up for her, that Xander has built her a big dummy stuffed with straw, which is adorable. So um, cute. All of this stuff that they've done for her. And the thing is that this moment, in this moment, it shows this support team, like, We've always had, you know, Willow and Xander supporting in whatever way they can. But the relationship with Giles, while he was, you know, officially with the Watchers, um, was a very um, paternalistic, very patriarchal kind of look at the uh, as the, at the Slayer as a soldier. You know, like you do what we tell you to do, mm -hmm. and Giles switching his role to like helping her and training her but he is her support team she is the general and he's part of her support team and as that like creating this space for her shows such love and such care and it changes the relationship of the support that Buffy gets you know where Buffy is actually given respect 
you know, for what her role is. And I love that. And here we have this wonderful moment where everybody's there playing their part. Xander's making a dummy. Giles is putting this space together. It's all about serving her and supporting her. And the second she walks in, what happens? Riley tackles her, knocks her to the ground and says, hey, come fight me. I mean, yeah. Oh, God, it's so it's so bad because it's such a wonderful moment. And he freaking ruins it by being an idiot. That moment with Riley is such a bummer. Mm -hmm. And it also reminds me kind of sort of of the way that the girlfriend is often portrayed in these like big hero, you know, one uh-huh. heroic guy doing the heroic guy stuff mm-hmm. stories like we've talked before about Buffy being a show that likes to take the you know take our tropes and yeah revolve them a little bit mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. twist them or mm-hmm. whatever but there's a there's a kind of a missed opportunity I think with Riley being I'm going to use gendered language everyone the okay. girlfriend the kind of mm-hmm. bumbling, useless, like just here to look pretty girl that we've seen in a million stories about yeah. a million heroic men saving the world. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's because by and large, our behind the scenes folks are men. Mm-hmm. We don't we're not actually going to do that to a guy. Yeah. Is kind it's of the sense that I we get have to do that to a guy. It's like we're not they could they could have gone there with Riley. Mm-hmm. Like he mm-hmm. could have been just big and cute and pretty Iowa guy who is really yeah. just there as the mission's boyfriend and right. sometimes is bumbling and fucks it up because his whole purpose is to look cute, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that because patriarchy. <laughs> like this yeah. is why we can't have nice things. This- but- Again, again, it's the problem of it's the Riley problem. Yeah. <laughs> like I want mm-hmm. him to it's like pick a side, you know? I want yeah. him to either have this like really deep character arc where we feel for him and he's more I don't know, he's he's just given more to do. Either give him more to do or give him less to do. <laughs> like well, I'm, or, I'm, yeah. You know, I mean, like, I, I don't mind him not knowing what his role is if he's not super powered. I, I, you know, because the idea of him being like, well, how am I going to be a support part of this team if I don't have these powers? You know, like, how am I going to help you? And him finding the way that, that everybody else has, the way that Xander's found his way to be helpful and supportive, the way Willow has found her way, um, to have Riley find his way as well. But it's not that. It's that he needs to be more powerful than her. He needs her to need him. And without that, without being more powerful um, and without recognizing that there are other ways for him to be be there for her and be something that she does need. Um, he's just, you know, like this whole idea, like, you know, you're what the mission's boyfriend. Like, yeah, yeah what the fuck is wrong with that? What yeah. are you, Graham? You're the mission's, I don't know, acquaintance, like whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, well, different I mean, mission, like the, but yeah, right. But the idea that being the mission's boyfriend is is not enough for Riley because he has to be the mission. 
You know, like yeah. he has to be the big guy. He his ego cannot handle being in a support role um, and just loving Buffy like his whole thing about, oh, but she doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. Like, no, dude, you don't love her. Like, if you well, loved her, I mean, you wouldn't need to be better and bigger and stronger than her all the time. You wouldn't need to constantly show off. You know, he's very like, show offy. It's yeah. true. And he's it's very, all about his ego. He's very like pat me on the head for doing a good job yeah like the whole you know like Mm -hmm. it's very cute in the graveyard you know let's go find some more aerodynamic vampires but also like mm, no yeah it's desperate though it's desperate and it's it's like not it's not a great look on riley and this is the thing like this is the stuff this is why I hate Riley. <laughs> it's at this point, this kind of behavior, this place that they're going with him, um, that just feels pouty because he's not the big man. You yeah. Know? Um, and, yeah. And in a different, in a different show or in mm-hmm. a different story, right. his story would be more compelling. I think. Well, yeah. And I mean, the thing is, like, this one wouldn't even, I think, maybe bother me so much if textually we were supposed to be like, yeah, Riley, shut the fuck up. Get over yourself. You know, (laughs) but textually, I feel like we're supposed to be sympathetic with Riley's bullshit. And that's, I think, where this annoys me so much is that, no, I'm not sympathetic to that. I'm just annoyed with both Buffy and Riley. Like, I, when they're together, I just do not, I don't like that. And the fact that they only argue when they're both already upset Mm -hmm. is really not okay. They don't have have conversations. Like, sit down and have a calm discussion slash disagreement which she and angel used to do all the time so when she's like i've never opened up to anybody that drives me crazy because she is lying to him well and to the audience too because it makes me it makes me not like buffy like buffy with riley trust buffy Mm -hmm. and the way she is with riley makes me not like her and Mm -hmm. then i'm a little bit as a as a viewer like Wait, what the fuck? I thought she was the one I was supposed to be rooting for here. And I just, I I hate them both. They need to break up. They do need to break up. But you know who (laughs) Who needs to to never break up is Tara and Willow. Because, oh my God, we don't get a whole lot. But it is so sweet. Well, what we get, we don't Uh get a whole lot of Tara and Willow. But what we get is so good and so, like planting of the seeds of what is to come it's so yeah. damn good oh my god oh it is although <laughs> just like pardon me while i pout in lesbian for a minute okay yes go ahead in the magic shop <laughs> yes in the magic shop tara says hey you and willow replies hey uh-huh. And would it have killed them to make it, hey, sweetie, or hey, baby, or hey, something term of endearment Like, I can't. Ugh. Oh, no. You know what? I totally understand. I completely understand where you're coming from. Because because we don't allow that, right? We have to always play the lesbian stuff under the... And this is this is a problem of not enough stories, right? We right. don't have enough lesbian stories. We don't have enough LGBTQ stories where we get that. 
um, where they're allowed to be openly, clearly demonstrative, you know, at the same time, I think, hey, you and hey are so sexy, like, because there's something, the way that they play them, right? And I think that it's it's Tara and Willow and Amber Benson and um, Allison Hannigan that are bringing to that. But that the hey, you and the hey, my my heart flips. Yeah, I I mean, it just does. But I get your point and you're absolutely right. And it's not enough stories. That's the problem. Also, it was 2000. Like Mm -hmm. this, I have said it before. We'll say it again. This relationship was a big fucking deal because of what it represented for television and representation at the time and all the things. And it just... I don't care. It's 20 years later. I'm still bummed yeah. out. Like, no, I like, get it. I let them be just a little bit more into Can each other. But just, yeah. but mm-hmm. they do play it. They play it so sweet and so in love. And when Willow gives Tara her hands oh. to read and she says, what do you see? And Tara says, Willow hand. Oh and I'm my just God. like, oh, okay, all right. And the <laughs> like, looks between them. Like, here's the thing. Like, Buffy and Spike have like sexual heat, and I'm not saying that Tara and Willow don't. Oh, they but Tara and Willow, do. and well, they do. No, they absolutely do. Like when Tara gives her that look, it's hot. Like this, it's you know, and they bring a lot of that to it. But what they also have though, like in addition to that, which I really is just this like love. Like the love with the two of them is so, I mean, just just there. It's palpable, you know. Well, um, the, I love yeah, it. Well, the look, like that look that we should all be so, you know. I, I get wish you someone everyone... who looks at you the way that Tara looks at Willow. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like she's just like this is the most, you know, mm-hmm. delicious, decadent dessert in the entire world. Like somebody just gave you the mm-hmm. you know <laughs> the the sweet treat that you like most in the yeah. whole world and you are gonna mm-hmm. savor it later <laughs> like, it's just so good so nice they're so wonderful together mm-hmm. but they also but there is this there's this great um little little seed of a little itty bitty baby conflict mm-hmm. developing between them when they're yeah. lo- when they're walking through the burnt out school looking for riley and Willow magics up some light. Mm-hmm. And she says, isn't this better than using a flashlight like some kind of doofus? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've hit on this a few times previously, and we're hitting it again in this episode mm-hmm. with Willow being snobby about the newt's eyes earlier right. at the magic shop. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, she's tinkering with this spell that Tara mm-hmm. gave her. You know, Tara's just like, how do we, how'd you do that with the light? And yeah. Willow's like, oh, you taught me. And Tara's like, ah, no, I did not. No, ma'am. Like, not, yeah. not like this. And Willow says that she tinkered with it. Mm-hmm. This kind of like, you know, Tara, for as magical as she is, is still very practical Yeah. in the, oh, we should have brought a flashlight. Right. Like, she still doesn't, she doesn't go to magic to solve every problem. No, magic um, is her last resort. If there's well, something, you know, if you can yeah. solve it any other way, if you can use a flashlight, don't use the magical light. Because I think right. she understands that there is a, there's a cost totally. to magic, you know. And what I um, love yeah. is that when Willow goes to the table where mm-hmm. Tara is fantasizing about having a psychic, yeah. you know, do readings for the magic shop, Tara is holding the tower card 
She's holding oh, a she's holding an oversized God. Rider Waite Smith, which I love. Great yeah. choice production design so that we can see it even in that yeah. you know, that like mm-hmm. medium shot. We don't need a close up on the tarot the tower deck to, to see, see that the it's tower. the tower. Ugh. She's holding it. She's holding the deck face up with the tarot the tower card is facing Willow. So it's upright for Willow oh, and it's reversed man. for her. Oh man. And I'm just like Okay, like I'm deep in my tarot feels, but right. What a okay, great... do you want to explain what the tower is for anybody listening who okay, doesn't know? The, all right, the tower card. So the tower card in the well, first of all, when you think of tarot cards, most people what they have seen is um, Pamela Coleman Smith's art for mm-hmm. Arthur Waite, and mm-hmm. what you see in the tower card is a stone tower that is being struck by lightning. Sometimes the top of it is blowing off. Mm -hmm. People are falling um, almost certainly to their deaths. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) if you get this card in a reading, it usually means something huge is coming to an end. Yeah. Um, It is collapse of structure. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, internal, external. So it can be... You know, it can be the end of a relationship. It can be the end of a job or a path in your life. Um, But it can also be just a serious shakeup. And it's it's one of those cards that gets labeled like (laughs) the bad cards. (laughs) But really, (laughs) well, because the tower is built on a faulty foundation. So when you build something in your life that is based on a faulty foundation, eventually it is going to collapse. And when it does, you can rebuild something stronger. You know, and I think that that for me is always the symbol of the tower, but it does mean that uh, there's there's an ass whooping coming, like there is a reckoning that is coming, right. in which you have to acknowledge that everything that you've built is is poorly built and it needs to be torn down. And if you don't tear it down, something else is gonna, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also the like you have to lose everything to move on yeah. kind of yeah. messaging, yeah. which is. Sort of where we're going yeah. with Willow. Maybe mm-hmm. not even sort of. Yeah. Um, no, that's absolutely where you we're know, going with every... Willow. It's going to take another season to get there. But yeah. Yeah. But I'm just like, of all, you know, it's a 70, uh-oh, bad witch moment. 78, 72 card deck. There, there are yeah. more than 70 cards right. <laughs> in a standard tarot deck. So, you know, again, I say it all the time on this show and I will continue to say it all the time. Visual media, if you see something within the frame, mm-hmm. it was probably chosen with by someone. And deliberately, with yes. thought, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. of all of the cards, I mean, she could have been holding out the Two of Cups, which yeah. would have been like, oh, sexy and romantic. But she's holding the tower, you guys. Like, yeah. that's... And that's a big, big, like, foreshadowing, yeah, big, at least big for me. Sign. That things are about like, to fall apart. And I mean, even if you just look forward, even if you're not thinking about what happens in season six, I mean, in the rest of season five, you know, um, Tara, glory gets Tara, yeah. you know, and that is that is a huge loss and a huge 
moment for Willow, it's when she digs deep and finds, you know, more of that magic, like the very things that Tara is worried about and will be worried about as we, you know, move forward with the two of them. Um, Willow's use of, of magic is something that concerns Tara. And you can even see it in this moment, you know, when, when Tara says, well, I just showed you the little Tinkerbell thing. And she's like, well, yeah. I tinkered with the Tinkerbell. And you can see the concern on Tara's face even back then. Yeah. So, yeah. Tara's, Tara is always very, very careful. Yeah. Um, and Willow is really not. And we're seeing mm-hmm. it more and more. Yeah. But it comes from, this is, it's just such a great character development yeah. aspect for Willow because we do see Willow trying so hard to fix things mm-hmm. i mean even in this episode when willow suggests to joyce you know yeah like joyce is on the couch and willow's like trying to figure out things to do to help mm-hmm. you know to help her feel better you know, some people say feed a cold i say puzzle it and <laughs> suggesting making a game out of being a lump mm-hmm. and then you know later apologizing to buffy about trying too hard to make things better with Riley. Like Willow just wants to make it better. And now she's got access to magic. She's a fix it person. And she has this extra power. Yeah. Yeah, It's this very like yeah. Yeah. It's this very like Bob the Builder attitude. You know, like (laughs) we can fix it. (laughs) We can fix it. Well, yeah. And I think that that's really interesting. I do like that moment with uh, with Willow, too, where she's like, I'm trying too hard to make it okay because I am that friend. I am absolutely. (laughs) You are absolutely that friend. (laughs) Noelle knows because poor Noelle has had me do this to them like so much because... Because I just am always like, let me fix it. Let me fix it. You know, and I can't. It's a loving place. It's it comes from that loving, but it's annoying. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but it comes from that place of, like, one of the one of the many benefits of Uh having close friends is that they see you from the outside. They can be like, Mm -hmm. okay, here's what you need to do. (laughs) Here's your checklist. Right. But you don't always. Depending on depending on what the situation is and all of the nuance and, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. all of that complex emotional bullshit, whatever, you know, you mm-hmm. may not need someone to fix it. Like fixing yeah. it may not be the thing that's actually helpful. Right. But I love, exactly. I love seeing Willow in the like, mm-hmm. fix it, make yeah. it better, make it right kind of yeah. No, I very much identify with that desperation to fix everything. I am that friend. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good thing I don't have access. (laughs) It's a good thing I don't have access to magic because I am not going to lie. I would do exactly (laughs) what Willow does. I would be absolutely on that path. The the you know the idea of having the power to fix the things that are broken. You know. So in a um, couple seasons when we meet Dark Lonnie, don't be surprised. Oh shit, baby, Dark Lonnie. Dark Lonnie is a few exits back on the. Highway. We 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 hit Dark Lonnie a long time ago. It's just that Dark Lonnie didn't have the didn't have the power to do the things. I just want to see you in the full eye contacts. Is that oh, wrong? Oh yeah. No, I can do that for you. I can do that for you. I'll do that. I'll I'll, I'll cosplay uh, Dark Willow for Halloween this year. How's that? Yes, please. My hair yes, should be please. just about long enough at that point that I can pull that off. So you do. Um, you have Willow hair. I do you've have got willow that, hair. Like, cute, cute. How did I never notice that you've I got the kind of hair. 
Yeah. Now that anyway. I've finally grown out of, uh, you know, the Karen hair, the, the, the Karen yeah, speaks to your manager <laughs> the, hair. This is why the, you never go into a, a beautician and say, you know what? Just do whatever you want. I don't care. Because <laughs> I did not ask for that hair and it has been a year and it's just now growing out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. enjoy looking like a Fox News anchor? <laughs> no, I really, really don't. I don't think that it <laughs> matches my personality, but now I've got flippy pink willow hair. My my hair is very pink. It's dyed pink and um and it's all flippy. Um and it is when I have it out straight, it is very willow hair. And I love yeah. Willow's hair. I love Willow's flippy hair. I think it's very, very season cute. season five mm-hmm. willow appearance wise is yeah. just mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so, so good. cute. We'll get so there when we And get Tara, there. Tara, holy though, if we're going to talk about, let's, if we're going to take a moment to talk about pretty, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tara is uh, like the eyes that she gives Willow, like, are Dude. just so, she's got this smoky, sexy thing going on. And you know what? It's pretty awesome. I like it. It's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get yes. you a get you a witchy partner who looks at you the way the Tara way looks at Willow. Tara I looks mean, at I'm... Willow. Absolutely is what everybody should do. Um, mm-hmm. But what is also sexy in this, you know, for for a very very you know hard one segue um, in this in this uh, episode is the competence, right? Like this is the thing that I love. I love when they're all putting the magic shop together, right? And Xander yes. is building something, and he's got blueprints, and he's measuring twice and cutting once, and he's putting all this stuff together <laughs> and making it happen. And it's like one of the first times that Giles and Xander have been working together, where Giles hasn't been like oh my god you're a fucking idiot like he's actually being helpful and being useful and he's found his role which i love you know that he can build shit you know i think that's fantastic xander doing carpentry at the magic shop is my love language it is isn't it when he puts that shelf in and it fits perfectly and he's like carpentry is pretty awesome and i'm like i love grown-up xander with identity and purpose yes and I, I love Xander mm-hmm. being the one building things. Yes. Like, come on. It's so good. It's it so is. good. It is. It's so nice. And then right after that, we move straight into Anya, knowing what magical items should not <laughs> be on the shelf together. Do you want to be picking oh. monkey brains out of our hair? Um, I love oh, that from Anya. I love when we give Anya that competence, when we give Anya, like, we, we allow for Anya's competence and knowledge, which she has been building up over a millennium so let's use it you know yeah dude like if anyone knows magical supplies it should be Anya realistically right yeah I mean she's been doing this stuff for a long time you know so I mean she is beyond PhD level you know, in yeah. this in this arena. Yeah. So I love that we have that competence from her. I love that we have Tara setting up the, you know, like the table for doing readings. And so we have her kind of like mystical expertise being part of the team and she's helping out. Everybody has a role to play except Riley, who's just in the back waiting to tackle Buffy to a cement <laughs> floor when she comes in. Like Buffy doesn't get knocked around enough on a daily basis that this idiot's got to tackle her. But anyway, we already talked about that. Um, and we talked about Buffy's training room, which, again, I absolutely love. And I love the way that we have moved the the support, ne- the way that the support network has shifted in purpose to something that is more appropriate to her role 
um, as opposed to this watcher command center, mm-hmm. the Slayer is just a nameless soldier kind of thing, which is what we had for the first few seasons. So I love that. Um, and then we've got Dawn. I kind of love Dawn. She's so dear. <laughs> She's I, uh, so sweet. There's a point. I'm sure there's a point where mm-hmm. I'm going to bounce hard off of Dawn. I know yeah, a lot of I people know. don't like her. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There's something very... There's something very sweet about her. And maybe it's because I have some, you know, kids that age in my life. Yeah. You know, my friends, kids and, mm-hmm. you know, like chosen family type nieces sure. and nephews. And, yeah. And whatever the non-binary equivalent of nieces and nephews is. Oh, my niblings. God. Are they nibblings? I think nibblings. they're nibblings. <laughs> I know, I really do. That sounds I think, like a delicious okay, snack item. <laughs> it does sound like a delicious snack item. Here's the thing. I'm not looking it up. I'm going to tell you that somebody at some point told me it was nibbling, and I believed them. That may not be true, because there's nibbling and there's sibling, right? And so I think it's like from niece, nephew, sibling, but sibling is the non-gendered, sibling you know. The, yeah. yeah. So I, don't I think know. I anyway. think it's nibbling, but if it's not, then we'll just coin that now. Now it is. <laughs> Somebody lied to me and played a joke on me and thought it was funny. I think it was my kid actually who told me it was a nibbling, and I believed her. Um, that completely but, yeah. sounds like that sounds like the kind of let's fuck with mom wordplay that would go on at your house for sure. Oh yeah, no, it was it was the younger child too because she is absolutely the one who would do that to me. Um, and uh, and so like I the just, younger but, child who says things with great authority and a totally straight face, and you're like, oh okay, that's real. And she's just she does. No, she's always she's always very certain that yeah. she's right. Mm-hmm. She's not always right. She's always very certain that she's right. <laughs> and it's kind of adorable. And and this was years and years and years ago when she told it. me that. But it always sounded like it made sense to me. I was like, nibbling, that makes sense. So anyway, Nibblings. I believe sure. that the, the point you were making about Dawn is that you have tons of found have, family nibblings in that area. I have, I have much chosen family that includes mm-hmm. children in the yes. 12 to 16 mm-hmm. range. Yeah. And they're just... They're so sweet. That's my favorite age. They're annoying, but they're also so delightful. And I love Dawn. Yeah, hits that for me. I know. Like the the sweetness of that. That I like chicken fingers and mustard when I'm sick. You know, it's like yeah, baby. Oh god, and the Fidel Castro thing, which actually ends up being useful. Right. She's got right. all these these conspiracy theories with Fidel Castro that actually give Buffy the idea of how to get in touch with the initiative, although apparently they've already been there for weeks. So it doesn't matter anyway, but whatever. Um, but I mean, I love that Dawn is there, you know, for mm-hmm. Buffy with Willow in that scene. And I think that that's really nice. And part of that, I'm sure, is that Buffy's including Dawn because Dawn just saw her mother collapse and was at the hospital all day. And that's not a good day to, like, say, hey, sit by yourself in your room, you know. Right. Um, but and Dawn also is the one who discovered Riley's heartbeat with her with her curiosity I love her curiosity with the stethoscope curiosity just blanket curiosity with no real purpose just general curiosity I think is one of the most endearing qualities that any human can have just genuine curiosity so I love the curiosity that that drives her to listen to everybody's heart with the stethoscope I think that that's real cute um you know it's it's just really Nice. I know there are times when when Dawn gets annoyed. I think mostly in season six for me, Dawn is real tough. And then I like her again in season seven. Um, but this Dawn, her government conspiracy theories. Oh, and remember when conspiracy theories were cute? 
Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> when that was an enjoyable pastime. That... When they were when they mm-hmm. were cute and harmless, you know, um, and funny. Yeah, I remember that. Anyway, um, so Dawn, I think, is is just like really adorable and sweet in this episode. And I love when Buffy rushes into the hospital and immediately goes and hugs Dawn. I love that affection between them because we've seen them you know battling with each other mostly through this season so far just that standard kind of sibling you know uh, irritation um but i i like seeing the love relationship between them too yeah yeah it's and like i say i have i occasionally have bad taste in characters <laughs> but, <laughs> but i I just love Dawn. I love everything Dawn. I think Dawn. there's a lot to love about Dawn. I really do. I think that there's there's complicated things that happen because of Dawn, and we don't really need to get into that too much. But also, we can we can take note, since we are a spoiled podcast, that this doofus intern, Ben, is going to be a thing. He's, okay. <laughs> First of all, like... Yeah. A plus job with the casting. Yes. Does he not look like the child they just made a doctor? I mean, he does, and he's got the floppy haired thing going on, so we know that he's immediately suspect. He Um, is adorably like young doctory, and I'm just like, oh, here we go. (laughs) He's straight off the set of Grey's Anatomy, you know. Yeah. Um, And that actor will actually later go on to work on a a Shondaland production uh, known as How to Get Away with Murder. So, um, and it's funny because the character that he plays on that is so different from Ben. Like, I watched a few episodes before I was like, how do I know this guy? And I'm like, it's Ben! You know? That's always Um, so enjoyable. That is so enjoyable when someone that you've seen in one context plays does something completely a different. completely different I role love it. i love, love it. it yeah no it's yep. wonderful i just saw um you know to go completely off off topic i just saw knives out with chris evans otherwise known as captain fucking america I've and it was heard that so good. fun oh it's so fun you should really really watch it but it was so fun to see him in a completely different context very very my fun. favorite chris yeah. evans is snowpiercer chris evans i have not seen snowpiercer oh my god well and it's great stunt casting of captain america as this particular hero like Uh uh-huh anyway he's not captain america at all but Uh the fact that he's known as captain america and then it's playing this something yeah Yeah. it brings it brings an extra extra textual little bit of spice to a lot of these characters that he plays but he does a really good job on his own but anyway this is not (laughs) A Chris Evans Welcome podcast. To Still Pretty, a Chris Evans podcast from Shiverish Media. You know, we... when we're done, we're getting towards the end of Buffy. Like, when we're done, I wouldn't mind doing an <laughs> episode about Chris, Chris Evans. Yeah, a Chris just Evans one podcast? that's just Chris Evans. That. Just Chris Evans, Still Pretty. Person. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe <laughs> and we'll just patrons... keep calling it Still Pretty. We just go still forward. <laughs> you know why? Because Chris Evans is still pretty. He is. He is. He's always pretty. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> back to all of this nonsense, since we're here to talk about <laughs> Buffy today. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so uh, so the other thing that, of course, I need to talk about at length is Spike, because, oh, my God, I love all of it. I love watching Dawson's Creek in the beginning. Oh, Pacey, you blind he. idiot. Can't you see she doesn't love you? Which, of course... Is him talking to himself, right? You know, um, and Spike and TV always oh, with the TV. TV. I know, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Harmony when oh Harmony busts in. God, and I have the clip here because it's so adorable. We have to play it. Well, well, well. Looky here. Is it safe? 
Has Buffy gotten to you yet? I saw her patrolling just now with a stake. She won't give up until she's killed me to death. Buffy's looking for you. Oh, of course. That's why I'm on the lam. Didn't you hear? I'm totally her arch nemesis. Is that right? I must have missed the memo. There was a memo. When she says this, I love the way that he looks at her. He is so charmed by how adorable she is. And he never appreciates or respects her. But you can see that there is a genuine affection for her, that he recognizes how goddamn adorable she is. He likes her the way you might like a pet. Like, she's yeah. not an equal in yeah. his mind, but he does, like... I think he loves her in his own weird, spiky way. I Certainly think he not... loves her the way you love a pet. Like, definitely. Yeah. You don't respect... I mean, You're okay, like... you should respect your pets. But, like, you but... know, like, but he doesn't respect her as an equal, clearly. Yeah. But you know. your pets will also, like, try to eat a bug off the ceiling. Like, that's not... And then barf it up on your floor. Yeah, like, that's, you know, because that's what pets do, right? They're cute, but they're annoying. And I think that this is where, you know, we have this thing with Spike and Harmony. And then when he says, well, clearly you're going to have to kill her. She's like, can you do the thinking for me? And he's like, yeah, I guess I can help you with that. It's so cute. It's but Spike's so not a thinker. I mean, this is the thing, like Spike's strength isn't thinking either. He feels his way through things and that's why he screws up so much. And if he didn't have so much delight armor, he would have died a million times by now. But I think he thinks he's good at thinking. Yes, I think that he does think that. He thinks he's good. But because... he has some self-awareness about this, though. We see him have that awareness later on, you know, when he talks to Buffy, you know. But, but... at the beginning when he's monologuing, like, I yeah. think he really... He really thinks. I think he really believes that he is the biggest badass with the best plan. And then, which of course, he turns around and just drops and into drops an into the, Which is so perfect. This is what I love about Spike is that we give him that incompetence and that vulnerability while at the same time loading him down with menace and passion. And like the way that he is about the slayer, you know, and he's yeah. like, I am going to taste. I'm going to make your neck my chalice and this whole thing. Only to have him wake up and realize that he is in love with her um, yeah. in the end. And I love that. And the thing is, like, this whole moment when Buffy walks in and they start making out is one of these things that you see happen in TV shows where they just, you know, two characters have chemistry and regardless of whether it would never happen, the show forces it to happen, right? And in this moment, when I was watching it, I thought, oh, God damn it, show, this isn't earned you know, like, I love the two of them. I think that they have this, you know, and, she, and we have a couple of things where she's like, you know, if I wanted that, I'd be dating Spike. You know, if I wanted right. superpowers, I'd be dating Spike and like all this kind of stuff um, where, you know, where she the way that she talks about him, the way that he talks about her clearly foreshadowing this relationship that they're going to have. But at this point, it's not earned like Buffy would never in a million years ever for any circumstance like at this point in the story, <laughs> believably make out with Spike. And so in the moment, I thought it was something that was being forced, you know, and breaking character to do it. And I was pissed off about it. And then when he wakes up and realizes that he's in love with her, oh, please, no. You know, <laughs> I 
love that moment. I think it's so good. And I, I don't even, I love the fake out. Like, this, I, I don't usually like a fake out, but I liked that one. I don't like this fake out mm-hmm. at all. At okay. all, at all, at all. I don't like it. I like where it takes things for Spike. Yeah. But I'm, I don't like it. And I can't I like tell it you, played on my like, presumptions and lack of trust in, in TV writers. <laughs> <laughs> they got me, you know, uh, but ordinarily I don't like fake outs either. So I'm actually like I'm with you philosophically on it. But for some reason it doesn't. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> Maybe just because enjoy- it's Spike and Buffy. I mean, also, mm-hmm. it's I mean, they, it's they do a great job. I it's mean, hot. Yeah, well although whenever done. they kiss, whenever Spike and Buffy kiss, they both look like they're in pain. I'm like, are you just mashing <laughs> your faces together? Like, what is going on here? Yes. <laughs> that's not, guys, that's not how you do that. I don't no. think it's working. No. You don't no, just looks, mash your heads together as hard as It looks uncomfortable whenever they kiss. Like, it's hot, you know, but it just looks uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, this whole thing, I love all of this stuff with Spike. I love his relationship with Harmony. This moment where Buffy comes in and tells him to go get Riley, you know, which in the end she does anyway. She finds him there on her own. Um and the fact that Buffy did not foresee that telling Spike that there was an initiative doctor in the vicinity was going yeah. to make him and when he says I'll have half up front and she rips it in half and gives it to him. I mean I like it's good. It's good stuff. I like I like that she shows her hand a little bit though mm-hmm. with Spike. That the way just as forceful as she mm-hmm. is with him, I'm like, that's not really warranted. And we know at this point that Spike has feelings for Buffy right even before our fake out at the end we know yeah but Buffy is clearly more interested in Spike than she even she realizes oh she's way more passionate about Spike when she's vowing to kill Spike than she is ever passionate about Riley yeah she's always kind of like Riley hmm." oh although I do love I love the moment at the beginning Mm -hmm. where Riley wants to stake more vampires because he's stoked on staking and Buffy's like, we should just go home unless you want to go kill Spike for fun. She has a little fantasy about killing Spike. There's this little moment where they look at each other and they're both sort of waiting for the other one to like give the okay on killing Spike. It's very cute, but Buffy clearly, I don't know, clearly to me, seems to kind of have a little thing for Spike? Uh, She has Spike on the brain. Absolutely, she does. And I think that there's, I think there's definitely a feeling there. There's a reason why she doesn't kill him. I mean, up until now, it's been largely delight armor from the writers, but I think it's textually, even at this point, there's a reason why she doesn't kill him, and it's not entirely about the chip. I think that when they worked together at the end of season two, um, when Mm -hmm. he was there for you know he was there for her like not necessarily as an emotional support but like as a partner when angel couldn't be and the two of them worked well together and i'm sorry but when you work well with somebody you know i mean it's there's a connection there you know so um yeah i don't know i find that i find that real nice um and i think that might lead us you know rather nicely into uh what are you wearing noel (laughs) 
<laughs> well, obviously, obviously a button front shirt in my dream so I can just throw it off quickly and expose my bare chest. That's the Absolutely. tell right there. That yes. fucking button down. I'm like, uh, oh, no, no, no. This yeah. is a dream. Spike would yeah. never do this. Like, that is some angel wardrobe. That is some right angel there. wardrobe. That is very angely. But also, um, yeah. as anyone who has ever, like, tried to sexfully take off a T-shirt knows, it's uh, not easy. There's no. That <laughs> like, is very hard. You get your that head stuck hard. in the. Anyway. Getting yeah, dressed in general is always much, much more awkward than this than the strippers in the TV shows make you think. <laughs> well, it's it's one of my favorite things about <laughs> sex or even like sex adjacent moments yes. on camera mm-hmm. is so often it's mm-hmm. like and suddenly they're naked or suddenly yeah. like this this item of clothing just like magically disappears and I'm like okay but how? Right. But how? Because we all know. Yeah. We all know getting dressed, getting undressed, it's not, it's not good. But a button front shirt, you can just like throw that shit off and then, you know, it's great. It's great. It's, it's it's real good. And it's, but it's also not something that Spike would wear. So it's this tiny little clue. Yeah, it is. It is very angely. I didn't really think about that, but it is. Very it is very angel, angel Spike wardrobe. Is That's an angel shirt. White T-shirt with the yeah. pack of cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve. Right. I mean, that's not... <laughs> 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 so unless you're just yeah. gonna like Incredible Hulk and just like rip the T-shirt open, and that feels like too much. It no, feels it's a little bit be a much. Friend. Yeah, gotta it's be gotta a be. Friend. No, it works. We it talk... works real nice. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about Willow looking just like. Mm-hmm. the best and the cutest yeah, that she's yeah. ever looked because Willow just Willow just gets and better. Tara with that beautiful shawl that she's wearing when they go into the uh, magic shop. She's doing the, the Willow hand reading. Um, yeah. That's real and nice. They both have these like long dangly mm-hmm. earrings on, which is mm-hmm. an interesting choice. It makes them look kind of, I don't know. I want to say grown up. Maybe? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's something there's something to the choice of jewelry for Willow and Tara that yeah I don't know it does it does yeah. something to me I like I it. like it but Willow like also it. still has her like funky knitted cardigan fuzzy going. sweater yeah, yeah. no <laughs> it's very sh- it's very Willow it's an evolution of Willow but it's very very Willow cunning sweater set (laughs) I personally and this brings me into the girl power moment of the week oh not with a girl power bit I personally really like uh, Harmony's favorite accessory which is the crossbow oh my god the crossbow that she doesn't know how to use (laughs) the string is slippy it's hard it's so hard I love Harmony saying that she tried to kill the Slayer, but it was hard but and it's stuff. it's so hard and stuff. I know. Oh, my God. I love Honey. Harmony. Harmony is my girl power. I swear. I love when she's, you know, just hanging out with the doctor and, like, irritating him so much. And, oh, look, it looks like a little Easter egg inside all the little grass. It's oh, so, my God. I mean. I read in a magazine that a man's real sex organ is his brain. <laughs> <laughs> no contest. No contest i i adore oh God, her so there's cute. something very girl powery about about harmony just like giving no shits like harmony's <laughs> lack of self-awareness leads to her trying things and 
being things that like you wouldn't if if she knew what she was and then something about that is is adorable it's you know like his whole thing look at you prancing around like you the big bad you know a couple of episodes ago spike said that to her and it's just it's adorable and it is and it's take, really really cute and a harmony taking up smoking because yes. i'm a villain i'm a villain <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> And it's I don't just so cute. I I don't know. I just I I love her. I love but her I like so the, much. I like the power in her um there is power in her lack of self-awareness and lack of self-critique. Like I think she that's is, what it is. Yeah. It's the lack of self-critique yes. that feels powerful. It does. It does because she's not doubting herself. She's just doing the thing and even when she fails she keeps trying and that's powerful to me i like that in her yeah yeah i think it's very very cool all right noelle what's your favorite part (laughs) i have so many little favorite parts but i think my actual favorite part has to be spike monologuing and then immediately dropping down into the open grave yes just (laughs) Oh, I love it. That's his character in a nutshell. It's everything I love about him. His total seriousness and his total doofishness. Yes. Side by side in the same moment. It's goofy menace. And I love it. Yes. Yeah. That's (laughs) not easy to pull off. It is not easy to pull off while still being a threat, like still feeling like a threat. I love the way that they put that together with him. Um, For me, I have to say my favorite part is the dream at the end. Right. Followed with a real close second, that introduction to Buffy's training room. I think that if this episode had had a little more breathing room for the significance of that moment, it probably would have landed a little bit more strongly. Um, But I just I love it. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on social media. Lonnie is at Lonnie Diane Rich on Twitter, and I am at Noelle Aloud on Instagram. And the hashtag is still pretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad free right now. So thank you to our March producers, Sarah, Shelley, Kristen, Kevin, Alice, Erica, Abigail, West, and Jonathan. And this week's special message for our power producers, Harmony. Is it a sodding bread box? <laughs> yes! Uh, it is a bread box! Somebody's Blondie Bear's 20 question genius. Genius! <laughs> to find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support. Write a great review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about the show or pick exploded monkey brain out of your hair. (laughs) We will be back next time with No Place Like Home, the fifth episode of season five. Until then, there was a memo. Spike! Oh my God! This is like a real emergency!